Good morning, everyone. My name is Mike, and I am an alcoholic. Before we begin, let's have a moment of quiet time to invite the God of our own understanding into our hearts and ask for an open mind and the willingness to have a new experience, of course, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. Okay, as we get a couple other people coming in this morning. Um, <laughs> Good morning. So basically what we did, guys, is uh, we just opened up and we took a moment of quiet time and we said the serenity prayer. And uh, as we know, as a group, we're taking the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous in four one-hour classes as they were taking in the, in the mid-1940s. Uh, during this session, we will begin step four and provide you with guidelines for completing your inventory. During the next week, each person taking the step should discuss his or her inventory with a sponsor or a spiritual advisor. Uh, before we begin, uh, Debbie and Juanita, if you would, just look on the back table there and pick up one of the, the booklets with the red cover because we're going to use that for this session. So last week, we took the first three steps together in class. Uh, is there anyone here this morning that didn't have the opportunity to take the first three steps last week? We all did that together? All right. Okay. And we agreed upon that basically the third step is nothing more than a decision to turn our thinking and our actions over to the care of God as we understand them. And we also decided to go through with the remaining steps of the program of recovery. Okay, so what I'd like to do to open up this meeting before we get into the third, into the fourth step, uh, let's just say the third step prayer together to uh, reaffirm the decision that we made last week in step three. Uh, it's on page 63 in the book, or if you see one of the cards in front of you, you can read it from there if you need to. Third step prayer. God. I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Okay, now we can move on to the fourth step. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. If we'd all turn to uh, the bottom of page 63 in the big book, it tells us that what we need to do now that we've made our decision, on the bottom of 63, tells us what we have to do. It says, next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning. And what they're talking about is the first step in the personal house cleaning, which, of course, we all know is step four. Okay, so the fourth step is going to be the first step in our personal house cleaning. And the book tells us 
this is something that many of us had never attempted. Again, this is on the, uh, now we're at the top of page 64 in the big book. It says, though our decision, which is step three, was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. All right? We discovered last week in the third step that some of those things are calamity, pomp, resentments, fears, fear, guilt, shame, or remorse from our conduct. Okay? Those are all the things that are blocking us. Basically, that's our character defects and our shortcomings. It says our liquor was, was but a symptom. So we had to get down the causes and conditions. Now let's remember that the book said we do this at once. Okay? It didn't say we take step three and we wait a year. It says upon doing the third step, we, we take step four at once. This means we take the fourth step inventory immediately after step three. We have we have to get rid of those things which have been blocking us off from God or else our initial contact with our Creator won't last. And we found that initial contact last week in step three. So what are these causes and conditions that the big book talks about? Well, the book uses a lot of different words meaning the same things. It says damaged or unsalable goods, flaws in our makeup, defects of character, shortcomings, and it even uses the word wrongs. All these things have the same effect. They block us off from God. The book starts the fourth step by comparing a personal inventory to a, per to a business inventory. In the first full paragraph of page 64, the book says, Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsellable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. So we're going to conduct the equivalent of a commercial inventory on our lives. We're going to discover what had blocked us off from the sunlight of the Spirit. Next, the big book tells us exactly what we have to do to conduct the four-step inventory. It says we did the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which had caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. We're going to inventory or take stock of, if you will, three manifestations of self-will, our resentments, fears, and our conduct with emphasis on sex. We have provided a guide booklet for you, and if you just walked in, you can get one of the guide booklets with a red cover on it by the table back there. And that booklet covers steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and we're going to be using it for the next two or three weeks. We're going to read the clear-cut, simple directions that the big book documents for us and use the guide booklet in conjunction to help us start and complete our inventories. We're going to take the fourth step exactly the way the big book prescribed. 
Let us reassure you the fourth step is not difficult, nor should it be a tedious process. Within seven pages of text, the big book gives us precise instructions on how to make a good beginning on facing and getting rid of the obstacles in our path. Now, the first manifestation of self we're going to look at is our resentment. In the third paragraph on page 64, the book says, Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have not only we have not been only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. Now here's the great hope. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Alright? So for a physical and mental problem, the book is going to give us a spiritual solution. Resentment basically means to refeel or feel again. The little Big Book Dictionary, which can be found on the back table back there, gives us the following definition for resentment. It says, a persistent feeling of ill will and suppressed anger caused by a sense of injustice, injury, offense, or wrong done. And it's to resent. To resent basically means to feel again strongly or to relive again. Okay? Anyone that's heard the Joe and Charlie tapes, they talk about that resentment replay machine, that tape in my head that replays the past events of, of uh, people injuring me, whether it was fancy or real, uh, those things, that tape that just plays over and over in my head. Let's first look at the simple step-by-step, column-by-column procedure the big book gives us for writing the resentment inventory. Six lines from the bottom of page 64, the book tells us, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. So on page two of our guide booklet, it gives us some examples of the resentment. It gives us an example of the resentment in inventory, and it's the same example that's found on page 65 uh, of the big book. Let's look at page three of our guide which lists examples of people, institutions, and principles that alcoholics are commonly resentful at. Okay? Is everyone there? Page three of the guide. To help us get a start with the first column of our resentment inventory, we're going to go down the list of names on this checklist. Generally, alcoholics know exactly who they're resentful towards. Unless you have a deep-seated resentment, the names on this list should help you list the people, institutions, and principles that need to be listed in your first column. Okay, so we're going to do a four-column resentment inventory. This is the first column. Once we've checked off the names on this list, we're going to transfer them over to the four-column inventory sheet that is on pages four and five of the guide. As I read through the list of names, check the ones with whom you're resentful towards, angry with, or feel any ill will towards. All right. Uh, pages four and five of the guide are, are to be used in class, and uh, pages six and seven are the same thing, except it doesn't have that little box in the upper left-hand corner. And what you can do with the guide, pages six and seven is the, uh, the four-column resentment inventory sheet. You, you take the guide booklet like this and just run it over a photocopier. 
that you make additional sheets. If you don't have access to a photocopier, there's a few additional copies on the table back there. All right. What I would ask you to do is, if you do have access to a photocopier, please make them from, from these sheets. Uh, don't take the ones back there. Let the people that don't have access use the sheets back there, if you want to use the sheets at all. You know, it's not a requirement that, that you have to uh, use this format. Some people just uh, like to use a notebook. All right. But for me, it was important that I have some sort of structure, and uh, these proved quite helpful for me. So let's begin with the names listed under the category people. Okay, are we all there? All righty. So as I read through these names, what I like for all of us to do is just check off the ones that, that apply to us that were resentful towards, have any anger towards, or any ill will. All right. Usually I go to, people will ask me, well, how about if I'm not sure if I have a resentment against this person? And I usually go by the basis of if they're in your head and if you're asking that question, write it down just in case. I'd rather take a couple minutes of writing on paper just to run it through the four-column process just to make sure rather than have this resentment in my head and killing me later on. All right, so when in doubt, write it out. So we're going to read through here. And if it applies, just check it off, and we'll transfer the names over later. Okay. Father or stepfather. Mother or stepmother. Sisters or stepsisters. Brothers or stepbrothers. Grandmother. Grandfather. In-laws, husbands, wives, aunts, uncle, am I going too fast? Cousins, clergy, that's priests, rabbis, ministers. Guys that wear those funny little white collars. Police. I want to see pen to paper now. Lawyers. Judges. Doctors. Employers. Employees. Co-workers. Creditors. That's people we owe money to, of course. Childhood friends, and if you could remember a specific friend, just kind of jot down the name next to it. School friends, teachers, like the one that gave you an F on the exam. Lifelong friends, best friends, acquaintances, girlfriends, boyfriends. Parole officers, probation officers, AA friends, imagine that. And maybe military friends. I had a couple of those. <laughs> and you'll notice uh, there's also a few lines. And if you want to take a couple minutes to uh, just ask yourself if there's any more people that need to go on this list, and you can jot them down. 
Okay, now we're going to go through a few institutions. About the institution of marriage, the Bible, church, religion, races, law, authority, government, the educational system, the correctional system, mental health system, any philosophies or uh, people of different uh, nationalities. And also, which is not on, uh, not on your list, but it, uh, I know a lot of alcoholics have, especially ones that, that have been around a while in and out of AA, uh, have out rehabs or hospitals. Okay, you can just kind of write those in. Okay, and of course write any additional ones that you have that aren't on the list. Please, don't limit yourself to this list. That's not what the list is for. Okay, principles. The God deity, the principle of retribution, the Ten Commandments, Jesus Christ, Satan, death, life after death, heaven, hell, sin, adultery, the golden rule, you know, doing to others as you would have them doing to you. When I first came there, I used to say, do it to others before they do it to me. Or the seven deadly sins, which of course the 12 and 12 goes in the great depth about. And again, list any other ones that aren't on here. Yeah, any of these principles or any other ones that you resent. Like another example of a principle is love thy neighbor. Different man-made laws, you may not have any. I tell you, when my first inventory, when I first, when I first got sober, I didn't have any principles on my list because I didn't have any principles. I mean, that's just the way it was for me. Okay, move forward. Great. The first column of our resentment inventory is complete. And if it's not, you can review it later on and through the week and add anything additional. What we're going to do now is transfer a couple names we just checked off to the first column of the inventory sheet on pages four and five of the guide booklet. Alright. This sheet is a sample for us to use in class. Please use the sheets on page six and seven to make additional copies for yourselves during the next week. Now let's take a couple of moments to jot down the two biggest resentments we have. Transfer the names from your inventory prompt, your resentment inventory prompt sheet on page three of the guide to the first column, which is on resentful at on page four. Okay, what we're going to do is a couple examples on the on the board, uh, but let's first go over the directions for columns two, three, and four. 
right? Follow along on pages 64 and 65 of the big book, and at the same time, follow along on pages 4 and 5 of the guide booklet. Okay, the second column, which is in, in your guide booklet, is entitled The Cause, and the second in instruction is three lines up from the bottom of page 64. It says, we asked ourselves why, we're, why we were angry. All right, so I'll take a look at my first column, and if I have uh, Pete and Harry in the first column, I'm going to ask myself, why am I burned up or sore at Pete and Harry? All right, what did they do to make me angry? That's what, that's what I'm going to write in my second column. In the second column, it's what they did to me that caused me to be angry or resentful to them. All right? I'm resentful at Pete. He punched me in the face. The second column is he, he punched me in the face. So list all the resentments you have for each name. And remember, you can have more than one resentment towards a person. You know, maybe Pete punched me in the face. He slept with my wife and took all my money. That's three separate resentments. All right. And they can just be brief bullets. In the third column, which is entitled Effects Mind, the third instruction on page 64, the last three lines, and page 65, the first two lines. And we're going to be looking at seven areas of self. Okay, it says, in most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, that's the first area of self, our pocketbooks, that's the second, that's our money, our ambitions, that's the third, our plans for the future, our personal relationships, that's the fourth, including sex, that's five, or hurt or threatened. In the first paragraph on page 65, the big book repeats itself. It says, on our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem? We already have that one. Our security? That's a new one. That's six. All right. On, on the guide sheet, it says emotional security. Our ambitions? Our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with. And from the lower right-hand corner of page 65 in Bill's resentment inventory example, we get the word pride. That's the seventh area of self. Okay, so that's the seven areas of self that are affected by resentments according to the big book. Remember, our self-esteem is how we view ourselves. Pride is how we think others think about us. And our ambitions are our plans for the future. Our emotional security is our general sense of personal well-being. Right? Basically, that means, am I okay? So when the first three columns are complete, the big book tells us to pray for the people we resent. Well, why would we want to pray for these people? We need to rid ourselves of these resentments. Well, why on earth would we want to be free of resentment? Shouldn't we justifiably be angry with these people? Don't we have a right to be burned up? Well, let's see what the book says on the middle of page 66. Okay, again, with that third column, just put a check mark. If what they did to you affects a specific area of self, just check it off. 
Okay. So on page 66, it, the book says, it's, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal, right? So resentments are going to kill us. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol, right? The obsession of the mind. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us to drink is to die. Well, that's very simple, isn't it? The book says very clearly, if we continue to hold on to resentments, we will drink again. How do we get free of anger, as the book suggests we do? The next couple of paragraphs deal with a prayer. First, the big book asks us to turn back to our list because it holds the key to our future. Then they tell us to look at it from an entirely different angle. On the bottom of page 66, the book says, this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, right? That's the second column. They, like ourselves, were sick too. The next few lines were prayers to rid our resentment. This will make more sense when we do it on the board. Okay. This is a prayer found on the top of page 67. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man, how can I be helpful to him? Right? We're asking God how we can be helpful to the people we resent. That's a miracle within itself. It says, God, save me from being angry, thy will be done. That's a prayer that I try to use on a daily basis when resentment or anger occurs in my daily life. Okay? Let's do some examples on the board of the first three columns, and then we'll do the fourth later. So first, we're... Uh, Remember, when you do inventory, it's from top to bottom. You do all the, can everyone see this? You do all the first column first, like we did with the names, okay? And you're just going to list the names from top to bottom. Don't go from left to right. You can try that, but it's my experience. If I try to do inventory from left to right, I'm going to get confused, okay? But if I stick to one column at a time from top to bottom, I find it's helpful because my mind, my thought patterns can only see one thing at a time, okay? So uh, would somebody like to share one, one, of, one of the people or institutions or principles, one of the names that you have in your first column that you're resentful at? Juanita, would you like to uh, throw one of yours up here? And we'll put it on the board. Okay. I got one more. Anybody else want to do one? Steve, Bill, you got one you want to do? Father. Father? Okay. 
Debbie, you got one you want to run through here? Okay. Okay, so we have a list of our names. All right. So now we're going to go to the second column, which is the cause. I'm resentful at my aunt. She won't come to my wedding. Okay. Juanita, why are you resentful at your mother? Okay. Now, throughout the past few years of doing inventory, and, and uh, I've done, I'm currently on my, my fourth resentment inventory. I, I've just found it necessary to do this process over and over again, and I like to stay current in it. Uh, the more and more I do this work, the more and more I, I see it necessary to find truth in the second column, okay? Uh, in the second column, I've learned to try to stay away from statements like, I never, all right, things like that. So what I would ask you is, is that the truth? She never showed love to you? Never, ever? Or were there sometimes she didn't show love to me? Okay, most times, all right. See, it's important that, that we write down the truth in the second column Because if we don't, the rest of the inventory is going to be a lie, okay? If I'm writing the second and the fourth column based on a lie, or the third and the fourth column based on a lie, what's that third and fourth column going to be? A lie, right? Okay. So we want to see truth. Steve, your father, why are you resentful towards your father? Okay. Okay. I'm going to put down, didn't reach out. And I'm sure if you thought about it, you can narrow that down a little bit more, get a little more specific. What we try to do in the second column is look for specific instances like you mentioned about the school and stuff. You know, he didn't help me with my schoolwork, stuff like that, maybe. All right? Debbie, Eric, why are you resent what do you have in the second column for Eric? Okay. I love left me. I really love left me. All right? Because what I found out, I had a couple left me. And, uh, well, I'll tell you that when we get to the fourth column. All right. Now we go to the third column. We do first column, top to bottom. Second column, top to bottom. And when all the first and second columns are finished, we go to the third column. And we're going to do each third column from top to bottom too, okay? Uh, some people like to, to write down in the third column uh, exactly how the seven areas of self were affected. All right, but I, I found it helpful for me as a beginner and other people going through this for the first time. We like to just do a check mark, okay? But we can verbalize it in the words as we go through it. So I found out with my aunt, by her not coming to the wedding, it affects my self-esteem, all right? 
And what the committee in my head tells me when my self-esteem is affected is that nobody should treat me that way. I'm better than that. Remember, self-esteem is how I view myself, what I think about me. All right? I'm better than that. Nobody should treat me that way. Nobody should abandon me. All right? So, Juanita, your mother, some, most times she didn't show attention to, to you. Does that affect your self-esteem, how, how you think of yourself? Okay. By your mother not showing attention to you, does that make you feel any le less or more of yourself? All right. So it affects your self-esteem. Okay. I'm just for a little check mark. Okay. Um, father, by your father not reaching out, does that affect your self-esteem? Sure. And by Eric leaving you, Debbie, did that affect yourself? Of course. Okay. I'm saying of course like it's my inventory. <laughs> All right. So now emotional security. Remember, security is uh, my general sense of well-being about myself. All right. And of course, by my aunt not coming to my wedding, it most definitely affects my emotional security. All right. I'm not feeling too good about myself. She doesn't love me. She doesn't care. Uh, about the woman that I'm going to marry. Emotional security is my general sense of well-being. Right? Basically, how I can see if my emotional security is affected, I ask myself the question, am I okay? Okay, your mother, emotional security. Okay. Father? Eric? Okay, what's next thing is pocketbook, which is our money. Now, by my aunt not coming to the wedding, do you think that would affect my pocketbook? Regardless of what I have written on the board. There you go. See, that's, that's where my alcoholic mind goes. Right? But I want to deny that because I'm the spiritual man. I'm the spiritual man that doesn't think I need to have anyone give me money you know a couple of years ago i probably would have said no to that you know but that that's definitely a yes mom okay pops okay so we'll leave it blank for now, okay? Eric. Yeah. All right. My ambitions, my plans for the future. By my aunt not coming to my wedding, does that affect my ambitions? I certainly think so. It affects my relationship with my aunt in the future. Mm -hmm. All right. It affects that any plans I might have had for her and, and uh, of course, my, my grandmother. If my aunt doesn't go, my grandmother can't go because she's 92 years old. All right? So I have that checked. Mother, ambitions. All right. Father, plans for the future? Yep. Eric. Personal relationships. 
Absolutely for me. Huh? Yeah. Does that affect how you interact with either the person you resent or any other person in your life? Okay. We know what mom? Okay. Father? Eric? Sex relations with my aunt? I'm leaving that blank because I don't want to get too far into it. But I tell you how I could say yes. If I have resentment against my aunt, it could very well affect my, self, my, my sex relations with my partner. If I'm not feeling too good about the situation, if I'm not feeling too good about myself, I may not, if my partner wants to get intimate with me, I may not much want to feel like having sex. All right, but that, that that hasn't happened yet. All right, so I'm going to leave that blank. What's that then? Right, mother. Okay. That, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Father. Okay. All right. Eric. <laughs> and the last one, pride. It's how I see how. How I think other people view me. All right, my aunt definitely. Your mother, father, okay, and Eric. All right. So, we, with the exception of uh, Steve's father in the pocketbook area, we're a wipeout. All right. All seven areas of our lives are affected. We're in great danger here. All right. Yeah. All seven areas of our life are affected. If we don't do something about this, we're going to die. You know, this is the tragedy, tragedy of the ego. You know, these things in my head are, are telling me that, that I'm really affected like this. Remember, the book says these resentments, fancied or real, have to be mastered or else we're going to drink and die. Okay. Now we're going to look and remember, after we do the first three columns, we got to pray for these people. And we got to say that prayer on the top of page 67. Why, well, as you go through your inventory, all right? And you may not be able to do it right away, but if you're, for me, it's important to have the willingness to do it. Oh, absolutely. Because the prayers aren't for them, the prayers are for me. No. I got a question real quick. Sure. These uh, principles are done the same way? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's look at the fourth column now. We're going to read the directions for the fourth column. It's on page 67. Referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. All right. We're going to focus on these words. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or afraid? All right, those four things we're going to key on. Actually, the book says frightened. Though the situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. All right, try to put out of your head the, the harms that they thought did, did to us. Let's look at what we did. 
Now what did we do to get the ball rolling? Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set these matters straight. Okay. All right. So let's just go through the examples on the board. And remember, let's look at this deal from an entirely different angle and let's see what we did. So with my aunt, I, I had to take a look at where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. You know? And uh, when we do this on the board, I'm just basically going to write down which area, what I did, keying on those four words. But when I write out inventory in the fourth column, I write out exactly where I had been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened. I, I write out the short sentence of actually what I did because the book says what did I do? Where was I to blame? You know, what what were my wrongs? Okay. So in my aunt, where am I selfish in this? Where am I selfish in this deal? Well what what I found out is I'm selfish because I expect her to do what I want her to do. I think see, this is what my, my mind tells me, this is what my ego tells me in the third column. Family should always be there, right? Isn't that selfish of me? Think I know what other people should do, right? So I'm definitely selfish in that one. And again, let's do this from top to bottom when we when we do uh, when we complete this in the next week. But for now, we're just going to do all areas of, of self, all right, due to time constraints. Now, where am I dishonest? tell you exactly where I was dishonest. When I first found out she wasn't coming to the wedding, I thought this didn't affect me. See, this is, this is that different, this isn't about cash, cash register honesty. It's about me denying that it didn't affect me. Huh? Yeah, I lied to myself. In this case it is. Right? In some cases I may have stolen from someone that I resented. You know, that would be the obvious type of honesty. But I didn't think that her, by her not coming, I didn't think this affected me and I denied it for a long time until I woke up one morning and instead of thinking of God the first thing when I opened my eyes, I thought about resenting her. It was scary. Alright? Self-seeking. I want what I want when I want it. I want her to do what I want her to do. I'm like the actor in the third step. If people would only do as I want it, the show would come off great. The truth is, I don't know, I don't need her to be at my wedding to be okay. I don't need that. Where am I, where am I frightened? I'm afraid she won't come. I'm really afraid that because of me going through with my plans, that the entire family won't ever, that they'll abandon me. That's what I'm really afraid of. Alright. Okay, mother. Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened. Selfish. Okay. Dishonest. I think they should be taking my own method, that I will try to deny it. 
Well, I put mother should know her child because that's a pretty good massive thing. Right. See, that's what my ego tells me in the third column, that my mom should always be there for me. Right. Why? <laughs> it doesn't have to be. That's where I'm selfish. Okay, self-seeking. Self-seeking is me take, taking me... Usually, selfish is not doing something. Excuse me. Not doing something. All right. And self-seeking is the act of doing something to get what I want. <laughs> okay. Frightened? And I'm just going to circle the fears because we're going to take them, transfer them over into our fear inventory later because that's what the book tells us to do. Okay, Father. Were you dishonest? Okay. Self-seeking. Okay. Any fear there? Okay. Okay, with Eric. Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened? Ah. <laughs> yes. Okay, we all see the exact nature. See, when the book says the exact nature of our wrongs, this is the exact nature. You know, we can write out exactly what we did. That's the wrong. That's what we did. But see, the book wants us to get down the causes and conditions. The exact nature of our wrong. Selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or afraid. Okay. Any questions on the resentment inventory? Simple enough? Okay. I think that the uh, the old timers in this program, the, the founders, never meant for this to be a long, arduous process. You know, as a matter of fact, and the way I'm bringing people through the fourth and fifth step today is, if the guy or gal couldn't write, and a lot of drunks back then just couldn't read or write, the sponsor would do the writing for them. You know, kind of like what we did here today. The sponsor would ask a series of questions and would write down. Because we're going to find out for our eighth and ninth step, we're going to need this information written down when we prepare to make amends. Okay. All righty. Let's look at our fears now. On the last paragraph of page 67, the book says, Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. Notice that up on the board, fear is circled in our fourth column, okay, for all four resentments. This short word, fear, 
somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. Get this now, it was the evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. Fear set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But it asks us a question. It says, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? All right, that's something to really consider. On the top of page 68, the big book tells us that fear ought to be classed with stealing. She seems to cause more trouble. All right. Something my sponsor taught me was that fear is a thief. It robs me from my relationship with God. All right. If I have fear, I don't have faith. How can I have faith in God if I have fear in areas of my life? So here are the simple instructions for the fear inventory. First paragraph on page 68 says we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Two-column fear inventory. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us had once had great self-confidence but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Let's look at our fear inventory prompt sheets on page 8 of our guide booklet. Now, when you complete the fear inventory during the next week, take all the fears from the fourth column of your resentment inventory, like we did here. See all the fears that we have circled? Take all those fears and transfer them into the first column of the fear inventory on page 10, which is what we're going to be, again, make copies of this page, or if you don't have access to a copier, there's sheets on the back table there. Of what the fear is. Okay? So, like with my aunt, the fear would be, Fear of not being accepted. Right? With Eric, what would your fear be there? Fear of not being loved. Yeah. Right, fear of being alone. Hey, that was a biggie. That's a biggie for me. You know? I need people in my life. Right, we're going to get to that. That's the second column. Okay? Yeah. Um, so you might have like fears listed here that might not be directly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the book tells us that we listed our fears even though we had no uh, resentment in connection with them. Okay. So what we do is transfer any fears that you have from your resentment inventory, put them in the first column. Then during the next week, when you're all done with your resentment inventory. Go through this fear prompt sheet and see if you have any of these fears listed. And then sit with that and see if any additional ones come to mind. And you don't even really have to use this this prompt sheet if you don't choose to. If you can clearly see them in your head, just write them down. But I found these prompt sheets very useful. Because... Found out that the person that I lie most to is myself. And that'll kill me today. 
Alrighty. Any questions on the fear inventory? Alright. First column is I'm fearful of. The second column is why do I have that fear? Alright. Without doing one on the board, uh, you know, again, uh, um, it would look something like this. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of being alone. Why do I have that fear? It hurts. Nobody will care for me. I could drink. I'll die. You know, like that. Any questions on that? Okay. So the book tells us that we have to get rid of fear. So how do we get rid of these fears? We found out in the resentment inventory that the way we rid resentments is through prayer. How do you think we're going to get rid of fears? Bill. Prayer. Okay. So it says on page 68, paragraph 3, six lines, says, we never apologize for God. Instead, we let him dem demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him, we ask God to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. That's just a simple prayer. What I do with my fear inventory, I go down the list of fears. And I say, dear God, please remove my fear of heights and direct my attention towards what you would have me be. Dear God, please remove my fear of being abandoned and direct my attention towards what you would have me be. Okay? The results are in the next sentence. The results of that prayer are, at once we commence to outgrow fear. Notice the book doesn't say fear goes away and never comes back again. All right? It states that we outgrow our fear. We outgrow fear because through prayer we're asking God to direct us towards his will. If I'm doing God's will, chances are I'm not going to have any fear. All right? What do we say in AA? Do the right things and the right things will happen. If I'm doing God's will, I'm not doing Mikey's will. Chances are the right things are going to happen. I'm not going to have the fear. Okay. Any questions on that? Ready to do sex? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Find out. We'll, we'll read in just a minute that many of us have sex problems. <laughs> For me, that's not one of them. Okay. Now about sex. The big book continues on the bottom of page 68. They suggest many of us needed an overhauling in this area of our lives. They say on page 69 that we all have sex problems and we hardly be human if we didn't. The question is, what can we do without them? Well, the big book tells us to review our own conduct over the past years. Therefore, we begin our third and final inventory. Okay? Let's turn to page 11 of our guide. Starts on 68, and it goes all the way through to page 70. But see, they were smart when they took the doctor's opinion off of page 1 and put it in the Roman numerals, because on page 69 it talks about sex. So for alcoholics, we can remember page 69. Okay. 
<laughs> I'll speak to you after the meeting, though. Okay. We're on page 11 of the guide. What we're going to do is begin to list all the people that we've had relations with over the past year. Usually relations of the opposite sex, not necessarily the act of. All right. All right. And if you want to do it female, female, or if you're a guy, you want to do it male, male, you might be able to find some interesting truth in that too. What I do with this is, and it says we went through our lives. All right. That's why we do it this way. I say a prayer and I say, dear God, please reveal to me any names that need to go in this conduct inventory. You know? And I begin when I was a little child, when I was five years old, the little girl in the backyard underneath the picnic table. You know, doctor, play doctor. You know, didn't know any better, just little kids. So once we listed all the names, let's look on page 11, then put a check mark in column 2 if you harm these people through your sex conduct. All right? So if, if you harm them through sex, you check that off. If you harm them in another way, excluding sex, check off the second box. And if you didn't, if you had relations with these people and you didn't harm them at all, it's a miracle. No, you just put that. You just check it off. All right, because there may be some people that I had relations with that I didn't harm. Few and far be in between, but okay. And any checks that we have in the first two columns, we're going to transfer over to the conduct inventory. And this is helpful for us later on because the book's going to tell us in the eighth step we already have a list of people that we harmed and whom we all amends. All right, we made it when we took inventory, and this is where we make it. Also, what we can do is, if there's any people that we found we harmed in our resentment inventory, like in the fourth column, we can tell that, right? If there was something specific that we did to harm them, we transfer that over to the conduct inventory. See, the conduct inventory isn't just about sex. It's about our conduct. It's with emphasis on sex. And what if you stole from somebody? Is that something that we Sure, write it that would come other in page 11 of the guide. It would come on their harm in another way. Okay. And the reason we do it this way is because a lot of people, see, at one time, the way I used to do the conduct inventory was only emphasis on sex. And people would say, well, what happens if I harm somebody and, and, and it had nothing to do with sex? So then we came out with a force sheet. It said harms excluding sex. Right? But in reality, this is really the same thing. It's a conduct inventory with emphasis on sex. Yeah, you'll find that uh, right in the inventory. It's a four-column inventory similar to, to resentment. Okay. <laughs> All right, so in column one, we list people we've hurt. And again, let's look on 11 and 12. We're not going to write anything on pages 11 and 12 because you're going to use these to make your copies during the next week. Okay. Column two, list, list what you did to, to hurt the person in column one. Right. Also list where you were at fault, where you had been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate. In column three, 
lists if you unjustifiably, which is an interesting word, arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness. Okay. Bill asked that question before. You know. By me doing such and such to so-and-so, did, did I make that person or any other person jealous, suspicious, or cause any bitterness? You know? It says we affect people all around our lives, not just the not just the one person that we have listed. Other people can be affected too. Okay? So then in the fourth column, which is basically our solution column, and this is going to help us with our ideal for the future, says, what should we have done instead? Usually, what should we have done instead? Usually, what I should have done instead is the opposite of what I did. Okay? I hurt somebody through sex. What should I have done instead? I shouldn't have done that. I robbed somebody. What should I have done? What should I have done instead? Shouldn't have done that. You know? I should have been a giver than a taker. Money, did you have a question? Yeah, because um, and that I remember when I did my fourth step, and after all my my efforts, all that was the same. Mm-hmm. Not have now if you're right see if you want to get a if you've taken inventory before and you want to get a deeper look into this you could expand on that a little bit more you know me being six years sober when, when I do the nightly review and I come across that question before I go to sleep, it says, what could I have done instead? You know? It's not always about, well, I could have did the opposite. It's about, I could have been a little more kind, loving, tolerant, patient. You know, I could have done something different. So think about that. You know, kind of sit with that. Alrighty. So, uh, please be sure to review the bottom of page 68 and pages 69 and 70 with your sponsor and complete this inventory as well as the resentment and the fear inventories during the next week. Let's point out a couple other things in the conduct inventory. Right? There's a prayer on page 69, paragraph 2. It says, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us live up to them. Last full paragraph on page 69 reads, Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in doing so. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. Prayer. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answers will come if we want it. In the middle of page 70, there's more prayer. It says, to sum up about sex, this is a prayer. We earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. You know, so in each one of, each one of these instances on my uh, conduct inventory, I say this prayer. Right. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. We think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. And as my friend Bill says, it quiets the horniness when the yield would mean heartache. 
That's the imperious urge. The imperious urge. Use the spaces provided on page 14 of the guide to come up with a sex ideal that you believe is how God wants you to be. Right? On page 14, there's a few lines. And you can use this, but don't limit yourself. You can write as much as you want. All right? See, this is where we get our ideal. We get it from the fourth column of, of the conduct inventory. What should we have done instead? And it says something like, the last one I wrote out was something like, Dear God, and it says, Please help me to see what you want for me regarding relationships with others and my sex life. And I say this prayer to God, and I trust what comes. And it's not about, I want Bo Derek. I want a bodacious woman, six feet tall, 120 pounds, a house with, with a white picket fence. It's not about that. It's about what I think God wants for me. And not only in the sex area of my life, but in all areas of my life. See, there's a couple things. I can only see what I can see. And how's that thing going, AA, that we say? More will be revealed. All right. God uses people and instances in my life to show me what his will is for me. And after a while, after we have established conscious contact with God, it's become my experience that there are times. See, where does God dwell? We found out last week. Deep down within me, right? So after a while, I, I can begin, begin to trust what comes from within. Now, in the Oxford groups, what they used to do in the 30s, they had a thing called, they would check their guidance. We don't talk too much about that in AA. Matter of fact, the meeting I went to last night, we did talk about it, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, but they, they had something that they called they would check their guidance. And in the morning quiet time, they would write down what their guidance was from God, similar to what you just verbalized. And then what they would do, they would grab a hold of their sharing partner. Today we call him a sponsor or a spiritual advisor. And they would say, listen, this is the guidance that I received from God today. How does that sound to you? you know, if I receive some guidance in morning meditation, or all throughout the day, I'd call up my friend Bill over here and say, 
Bill, you know a little bit about me. We've talked in the past, or maybe I've shared some inventory with Bill, so he knows about my life. You know? Does this sound square to you? How's this sound? You know? And I'm going to believe what I want to believe anyway. But usually when we check it through someone else, it helps, especially someone that we're pretty close to and that, and that know our story, as we're going to find out in the fifth step. Okay? Now let's briefly cover some of the instructions for taking our fifth step, which we'll be sharing with our sponsor, our spiritual advisor, during the next week. So first there's a warning, and it says on the first page of chapter 6, into action, which is page 72, it says if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. It's the fifth step, made to God for ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. Okay? The house cleaning starts with the fourth step. They took inventory, all right, but they hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought that they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. A couple important points the book points out to us in the fifth step. It says we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long and happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. You know, some people choose to take their first step with, with a rabbi, a priest, or a minister. And if you choose to do that, that's fine. Most people nowadays uh, share inventory with their sponsor. And it says, we searched out our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. That's what we want to, for the person that we're going to share this inventory with, that's what we're looking for. Closed mouth, meaning he's not going to blab our business. Okay? We can trust him. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and improve what we're driving at, that he will not try to change our plans. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. Okay. So we've completed our inventory. We decide who we're going to share it with. When do we do it? How much time do we waste? No time. Okay. We have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. As a sponsor, or someone receiving the fifth step, I like to tell that to the person who's giving the fifth step to me, that I'm honored by your confidence, and I'm really happy that you've, that you've asked me and trusted me to share this with me. And it says, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twisted character, every dark cranny of the past. After the fifth step is complete, your sponsor should direct you to page 75 of the big book, which gives us directions for what to do when returning home. What we're going to do when the fifth step is complete and we go home, 
we're going to do a little review, and that's on the bottom of 75. So as returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for one hour. We only get one hour between steps five and six. There ain't no work a step a year in the big book. Says we rest for one hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our, of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12th step. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. These are the questions we ask. Is our work solved so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? You can use the space provided on pages 14 and 15 of the guide booklet to answer these review questions. If your sponsor does not take you through the sixth and seventh step after you've completed your fifth and answered the questions on the bottom of page 75, don't worry. We'll take the sixth and seventh step in class next week. Right. Any questions on four or five? Okay. What I usually like to do after covering the material in the fourth step is read the last paragraph, uh, the last two paragraphs on page 70 and 71. I'll leave that up to you guys after you complete your fourth step. Read those last two paragraphs, beginning with, if we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. Okay? And that'll, that'll set you up nicely for, uh, for the fifth step. And hopefully, people that are going through the steps, uh, via these beginner classes, will have their fourth and fifth step completed for next week. And we'll be ready to rock and roll with step six, seven, Eight and nine. Any questions? Well, thank you all for uh, letting me facilitate this week. And may God bless each and every one of you on your journey through the next week. Thanks.